0: Welcome, everyone. How are we doing today? Uh, I got a fun one for you. It's why we're all doomed, why training itself is doomed, why nothing makes any sense anymore. But let me explain in a minute. But first, you got to deal with my own little sales pitch. Always an athlete, training team, seven day free trial. If you like getting jacked, stacked, and running fast, that might be a cup of tea for you. We do arms, we do bench press, we do sprints, we do squats all the fun things that you could love. And I made it because I like to train like an athlete. I like to play sports. You might like to play sports still. Guess what? Your training should actually get you ready to play sports. I'd rather play sports than lift weights. Yep. You heard it here first. I lift weights so I can continue to play the sports I love. And so, if that's you and you might like that, check out the Always an Athlete Train Heroic Team. That's my team. Seven days, a, not seven days a week, seven day free trial. Train six days a week, but you could usually chop it down to four if you were so inclined to do so. Give it a go. Let me know what you think. hope you guys enjoy. Try it out. Now, today we're talking about why we're all doomed, why training makes no sense anymore. Chaos has ensued. And let me explain exactly why and how this has all happened. So, Training has no model anymore. It has no framework. Nothing makes any sense. It's chaos. We go on social media, do this, do that, do this, do that, do this, do that, that, and this, that, and this, this, and that. Everything for anyone is everywhere. It's madness, baby. I loves a little chaos. but Maybe not this much chaos. And let me explain why. So when it comes to training, the training framework is very simple. You understand the sport the athlete is playing. You understand the specific needs of the sport. You then have to identify what motor qualities or aspects that are holding the athlete back in the sport. And then you train those motor qualities or specific motor aspects. And the debate should be centered around what methods and what organization of those methods yield the best results and adaptations for those motor qualities. It's that freaking simple. That's all what it is, but we don't like to do that. Why? Because we make the big first mistake. The big first mistake is we don't identify what the heck the athlete is actually trying to accomplish. What skills are they trying to develop? If you can understand the skills the athlete are tr- trying to develop, you can then understand the motor qualities, explosive strength in the quads. Maybe it's ankle stiffness or systemic s- stiffness. What the heck you want to call it? Maybe it's explosive um, glutes or hamstrings, whatever the heck, a specific physiological motor aspect that's holding them back. You can identify it. This person can needs to hold an acceleration angle because they're working on accelerating to the hoop. Here are the muscles and qualities involved with holding that acceleration angle. Therefore, we need to find methods that improve X, Y, and Z. Then we have our debate around the methods and the organization of that training, but there is no debate as to what kind of things we're going to do. But instead, you turn on your social media and you see people running backwards. You see people... Hanging on stuff, you see people jumping on things and off of things and wearing shoes and not wearing shoes, but never, never do you see a specific motor quality from which this exercise is being done and then the evidence to support that. And until that happens, you, the consumer will be stuck to land of chaos, the land of persuasion the land of bells and whistles and all things pretty. I'd rather show you something that's cool and engaging than informative and helpful. That's what social media has done. There's no plan of action. If if you were to come watch one of my training sessions with my athletes, you would be so bored. Many times we just do 10 sets of three reps or two reps of a specific exercise multiple times in the week. It is very boring. Dr. Anatoly Bondarchuk inspired me quite a bit in that regards when he pointed out the fact, this is what I do for my shot putters. That's going to help them get better. We're going to keep doing that until it doesn't make them better. It's like, oh, that makes a lot of sense. There's not just variety for the sake of variety. There's reasons behind what we're doing. So (sighs) we are all doomed until this happens because what happens is Research also kind of floats in a chaotic manner when this occurs. There is no aggregation of literature surrounding specific methods. That's a big problem. There's lots of things kind of floating around the area, but there is no spearhead. There is no centration of focus around, are these the best methods to increase X, Y, or Z? Once we can begin to do that, we can begin to have some universally applied research methods and application, mode. that's probably not going to happen. A lot of reasons why that's the case too. So if you are a professional organization, you're listening to this, you have some resources, you spend lots of money on players, players are worth lots of money. Lots of money should be dedicated toward developing players. Your efforts as a staff should not necessarily be just arbitrary but instead very centrated and focused you should have certain situations where you identify certain motor qualities physical aspects that are lacking this person needs to improve say their reactive or explosive strength in their quads let's just say let's just make some random ass prediction okay now you might select specific methods to get that better, and it all stems from a motor skill. Let me even give you a more clear-cut example, more clarity, so you can have some uh, understanding of where this is coming from. Imagine we have an athlete. we have an athlete who we say, "Hmm, this athlete, they need to improve their ability to finish around the rim explosively." Too often they go off of two feet, and instead, we'd like to have a one-foot expl- uh, explosive finish that is difficult to block. Okay, so in doing such, we need to have the ability to elevate off the ground off of one leg in a timely explosive manner in which because the height they're at makes it difficult to block because they're at or above the rim and that negates the ability to come across under the rim and block it. So we have to improve their single leg explosive jumping ability during an approach. That's simple. That's what it means to have the ability to finish above the rim Now, the skill aspect of doing that might have some more nuanced aspects like the ability to finish or to avoid a defender, some body control aspects, but none of that can exist unless you actually get above the rim to finish. So then you might as a staff say, well, what we're trying to accomplish is to improve this athlete's single leg explosive takeoff ability because that's directly going to improve their finishing ability, assuming that my skills coaches know how to actually train that ability and help them finish at the rim. Makes sense so far. So then you say, okay, well, we are going to test that by just assessing their single leg, max effort, one foot approach jump. Pretty fair. Okay, this person can run and they can jump and touch, let's just say some arbitrary number. That's easy for math, 11 feet. Oh, let's pretend actually it's only 10 feet. They can only touch 10 feet. They really cannot finish above the rim because they can hardly get to the rim. They run and jump and they can touch 10 feet. Now the success of my outcomes of my training methods should be reflected upon whether or not they can now touch higher than 10 feet. Heck, we could even make it more specific and do it with a basketball off of a dribble. So they have, are they actually developing the quality to explosively finish? And in doing such, we can break down specific areas. We can say, Hmm, I think part of their ability to not jump and touch high is the fact that they poorly brace on their front leg. They have the inability to actually contact the ground effectively and brace on that front leg so they can actually create a moment around the hip to jump and explode. So I'm going to say the ability to do a single leg drop jump off of a small box, we're going to drop from 12 inches, hit the ground and jump as high as we can. That's going to be a reflection of their reactive strength. And that reactive strength is a quality that's going to be associated with that bracing factor of their leg. And so we're going to see is if that goes up we're going to expect to see their jumping ability to go up as well in tandem with it okay now we have some linear aspect through which we're developing qualities notice we have yet to talk about training why because training's not the hard part now we get to the hard part here we get well now we did the hard part now we get to the fun part which is training so now you say okay i need to improve this quality Now, here we go. This is where you have to determine the best methods to determine and train that quality. That is how you do it. You now say, okay, what's the best methods to improve that single leg reactive strength, which in turn should have a cascade of events. The excuse that this model doesn't work is an excuse of laziness. It's an excuse that, oh, it's too complex. It's more than that. No, it is not more than that. If you don't define it and you can't define it, you can't improve it. So therefore you're off the hook. It's that simple. Do your best to define it. You have to be doing things for a reason. There's no way you could possibly just be training someone in hopes of something occurring. I hope not. We need to have a logistical framework here. And there is an art and feel to it. You could say, well, hmm, I'm going to spend 60% of my time doing these kind of movements. All right. And it's really easy because as my training brain thinks and processes, it, I think these are some of the best ways to improve single leg takeoff because that's an important goal for this athlete to actually finish around the rim because that's what is holding their ability back to when they drive a closeout, they need to finish around the rim to make it more difficult for a shot blocker. And that skill of development can only take place upon discussion with the athlete to identify that is a reasonable skill through which I need to develop myself. And that would create value for me in the performance realm I'm playing in. So that discussion point occurs at a higher level. It is based on, again, maybe like the general manager or someone of that nature, identifying the value of the athlete initially, then what could be further developed to help them improve their game. Then you access your resources in terms of the skill department. You access the resources in terms of your strength conditioning staff. Your strength conditioning staff is going to be geared and designed to help achieve the development of this new perceived value. Now, if you as the GM decided to pick the wrong value, you're going to have this guy improve and they can now throw down massive one foot dunks, and they can finish above the rim greatly, but they're never in the situation to finish above the rim. That is not the strength and conditioning fault. That is not the skills fault. That's the, that's the problem of picking the wrong quality to develop. It's like if you were to buy a house, there's lots of things that you can improve upon the house. I could hire landscapers to make my landscape very nice. I could hire some contractors to come in and put on a new wing or addition to the house. I could have some decor and designers come in. And restylize my house. I could have people stage the house with certain types of furniture. I could have an endless amount of things done to my house. Now, what is done to my house will change the value of the house. As in, you could make a player run and jump really high off one foot, but if they're never gonna do that in a game where that is no deterrent in their ability to perform, then that's a silly value to chase after. But the same way, if I hire my landscaper people to do a great landscaping job, they're going to find the best methods to make the best landscaping the way I like it. The same way a strength staff is a resource in which you want to develop a specific motor quality that staff is mobilized then to develop that specific motor quality to help that person get bigger, faster, stronger, whatever the heck it might be in relation to adding value to skill. But because nothing is ever talked about in relation to building a specific motor quality for a reason, we have entered the land of sheer chaos and fabrication, the world of pretend where we might just make random things happen and do random things. And then you see random things on social media with no continuity. And all we have is utter chaos and assumption of things actually occurring and being uh, effective. But that's not really effective at all. That's just doing things. And you're just doing things for the sake of doing things. And it's not maybe a staff fault, a strength staff fault. It's just the whole structure makes no sense. It's absolutely bananas. It is wild to think that you might have a house and then you might have a landscaping staff, a decor staff. You might have um, a contractor who can add additions and wings. You might have all these other people that could work there. But instead of having some continuity and unity through which the house is trying to be built and done, people are just building arbitrary things. And so that's where on social media, you see chaos ensue because that definition is never provided, nor I don't think most people think of that in that detail. Otherwise, it would be much more logically displayed. So we've all fallen into the world of complete chaos. So I provide to you a solution because I'm just not one here to complain. I'm here to try and provide value and problem solving. And so my solution to you is the logistical framework I just laid out. I think so often as a strength staff for strength conditioning coach, we talk about things. Oh, we need to do this as we need to then and blah, blah, blah. We, we, we as a community of strength, we are just a resource. We are just, we ourselves are just an asset. We are something, the person who is using us can mobilize us to accomplish certain things. We are the grounds crew. We're the landscaping people. Other people are contractors who build the house. Other people are, you know, the people who design it all and whatnot but we are just a resource. So when an athlete comes to us, we are merely a resource utilized at a level through which the athlete wants us used. If we are in a staff of a professional setting, we are a resource to create value the same way that someone else is being used to landscape the lawn that's creating value to a house. But that definition of value only exists upon the determining factor of that person sitting up top deciding what the value needs to be. But through this lens and objectification for this framework that you can objectify areas, you can begin to aggregate internal intellectual property. You begin to look at, huh, when we do these kind of methods and we see reactive strength begin to improve off of a single leg, but it doesn't help their jumping performance, we know that's not a good test. Or we can say, well, we know this method right here is really good at helping people develop and explode off of a single leg so they can improve their finishing ability, but they don't actually, well, they can get to the rim and finish, but now we're having trouble learning the skill of actually finishing. So the skills people can sit around and go, Hmm, maybe we should, look at this. And what happens is everyone's work becomes narrowed in the sense that no one is doing excessive amounts of work. You actually might do less work, but we're all just trying to do the best work because it has a high level of definition. The person out there landscaping my lawn is not just arbitrarily cutting the grass. There is a goal to it because I have a house that's painted a certain way and inside it's styled a certain way. I have an additional wing that is built a certain way. So my landscape should fit that. And together the aggregation of it all provides value. And at times I just maybe I'm losing my mind. And that's why I'm on a podcast rambling on a Sunday afternoon for 16 minutes straight. Cause I just think I uh, I've totally lost my marbles. I don't know. Maybe I have. Maybe I'm an idiot and I'm totally wrong. Or I'm inarguably correct. In my mind, obviously, I think I'm closer to the latter than the former because I do think the framework which I have suggested is a framework of asset management and value creation, which is very difficult to argue. It also truly puts a definition onto what we are supposed to do as a strength staff. We have specific, we can be mobilized in specific ways to conquer specific obstacles, the same way the dietary staff, the same way the you know, sports psychology staff, massage staff, they can all be organized and mobilized in a certain way to provide value. But again, it stems from specific definition. And my argument for the strength staff is we are here to develop certain motor qualities. Maybe um, there are certain aspects of just uh, general maintenance we're, we're here for. There's lots of things we could be used for, but that definition of utility has to be defined not by us. but by the person who perceives value in the athlete. So in my world, it's actually from the athlete because I'm in a private sector. But if I did have an athlete who had this specific definition passed down from them from a specific staff, well, then that would make a lot of sense to provide that continuity in training because that now shifts the athlete's goal to value addition in that realm. And then all the skills training can be directed that way. And then the athlete can create value and they can get better at their performance, whatever it might be. And then the organization has an opportunity to reflect on whether or not that decision they thought, oh, getting this better would actually provide value. Did it help them? Did it not? So as an organization, at a hierarchical standpoint, you begin to aggregate information and internal intellectual property about how you can develop more value from players. And then you begin to take that to the next level and you look at scouting and you look at player development in terms of, uh, not scouting, but um, like a profiling or you have an athlete come in that you have to go through a workout they are trying to appraise whether or not they can do X, Y, and Z. And if you know you're really good at doing certain things and you find an athlete who's lacking certain things that you're really good at resolving you might say their stock is undervalued relative to our ability because we know we can improve these areas, their physical abilities to run fast and jump high much better than maybe another organization might be able to because we have this whole chunk of information and we're going to be directed in unity towards that direction. And in doing such, we can take a player that has unique assets that are otherwise harder to develop certain skills, certain innate qualities, certain instinctive things. And we go, look, they have these great qualities that are really difficult to develop, very rare qualities. And They have these other qualities that we are as a staff are really good at developing. And so, and when one's team looks at this person, they might say, well, they're lacking these things. It's going to hold them back. And when we look at it, we're like, they're lacking these things that we can build. But you know what? We we have trouble building those other really unique skills, assets. We can't teach height. We can't teach touch and finesse as well we can't teach the innate instinct to the sport but we can develop these other aspects very well so while one person might perceive that athlete as well they might be limited we might say well this person's really undervalued because we have the ability to create value here value creation so i'll leave it there for now i'll stop my rant i appreciate you all listening if you guys are interested in this topic you want to hear more about it let me know I hope you enjoy this. I hope it's thought-provoking and makes you think. Um, I enjoy speaking about it and I enjoy chewing on these ideas. So I hope you all enjoy. Take care and peace out.